Parsha Shoftim, as per its title, has a lot to say about Shoftim, about judges, about judicial proceedings. Toward the beginning of the parasha, we have the discussion of the the discussion of uh, someone who's over the worships idols. So it says that you execute him. It says Al Pishnayim Edim Yumasames, based on the testimony of two witnesses or three witnesses, then he shall die. Lo Yumas Al He shall not be executed. That's the simple reading of the Pasuk based on the testimony of one witness. Later in the parsha, the Torah says, Lo yakum Again, never shall you, never shall you have the testimony of a single person, a single witness, against someone for any type of sin that he commits. Al a case must be established through the testimony of two witnesses or three witnesses. The Torah in the earlier, earlier Chumashim as well, has discussed this Parshas Masse, the end of Chumash Bamidbar. That again, you execute a murderer based on testimony, based on the testimony of two witnesses. But not on the basis of the testimony of a single witness. As we'll see, some of these psukim are read a little bit differently, by, somewhat differently by Chazal, by the rabbinic tradition, but the, this is the simple reading of all these psukim, that we require at least two or three witnesses to execute someone, and we cannot execute people based on the testimony of a single witness. Most of these psukim seem to be dealing with capital cases, uh, beginning of Pasha Shoftim about the Ovid of Odezara, who's being killed, Lo Yumas al Later in Pasha Shoftim, later in Pasha Shoftim, the Pasuk is, it says, It sounds like it's talking about any type of Avera, but again, Chatas and Chait sounds like it's talking about uh, criminal cases, but it says in general we need as we'll see. That is understood by Chazal and the rabbinic tradition as not limited to criminal cases. That is a general rule that whenever we require testimony, we require a minimum of two witnesses. One witness is not sufficient. Back in Pashas Masse, the Pasuk there is talking about a murder, which again is a, is a capital case. Again, it says, You can't use one aid. You need at least two aid. But as, we, as we've said, Chazal understand that this is a general din that judicial procedure in general requires at least two witnesses. As the Gemara Suvis puts it, it brings the Pasuk uh, later in Parsha Shoftim, Lo yakum One witness has no credibility to actually determine a, uh, a case. However, I will come He's sufficient to require the parties testifying again to take an oath. The way in, in the Torah Shabalpeh, in Halacha, oaths are required of civil defendants generally. In, in criminal cases, there are no oaths at all. So this is talking about, the Gemara is talking about civil cases, cases to do with Ksuva, the payment of Ksuva. So the Gemara, again, the Gemara takes for granted that the Pasuk of Lo Yakum Eidachad Be'ish, Lechalavonu Lechalchatas, is not limited to. Uh, Criminal cases, it applies to civil cases as well. You can't actually rule. A court can't decide 
a civil case based on a single witness. However, a single witness is sufficient to require an oath. Just to clarify that this is something that uh, people are not used to, being used, if they're used to modern Western law. Western law is <coughs> very different from halacha in this area, and the laws, in some of the laws of testimony, as we'll see, are quite similar. Some are very different. In halacha, we never, we never administer oath to witnesses. Witnesses, third parties who are not the litigants, they're the ones who give testimony. We never administer oaths to them. Oaths are administered to litigants themselves. In the law, the law doesn't really distinguish that much between litigants and witnesses. Anyone who takes the stand and makes statements you can choose to put them on the stand, not to put them on the stand in a criminal case and so on, but anyone who takes the stand has the status of a witness and, uh, and we administer oaths. In the, in the, the Torah has a very sharp distinction between baledin, between the disputants themselves, the litigants, the defendant in a criminal case, and witnesses. Witnesses give testimony. Oaths are not given to them. Oaths are given to plaintiffs and defendants in civil cases, and generally, Minatara, generally the defendant. And uh, that's the oath the Gemara is talking about, that a single aid cannot, does not enable the court to rule one way or another in a civil case. However, a single aid is enough, meets the threshold for Basedin to administer an oath. an oath. In other words, an oath is not administered as a matter of course. Certain criteria have to be met, certain, uh, certain circumstances that point to one party's guilt or liability have to be met before we administer an oath. And an achad is considered to be uh, a sufficient grounds to administer an oath. But that's, that's what the Gemara Suva says, that, that, a, that a single aid is not naman in general for anything, not for criminal cases, not for civil cases, except for the, for the halacha of shvua that he, that, that, he enab- that he enables based in to administer a shvua to the defendant that he is testifying against. Now, the one great exception, the one, one of the great exceptions where we do accept aid achad, which we're not going to get into in detail tonight, is the well-known halacha of aid achad naman bi surin. When it comes to judicial proceedings, financial cases, marital disputes, child custody, Dover Shabarva, Gitin, Kedushin, as we'll discuss soon, their criminal cases, which we don't practice as manazeh, all these cases require two edim. Anytime we require real witnesses, we require two edim. But Isurim, Isur Beheter, Kashrus, is food kosher or not kosher, there we do not require two witnesses. And we don't require all the other eligibility criteria of witnesses there. There's a rule of Eidechanam Bisurin, which is a much, much more relaxed and loose standard of Eidus. A, that you don't need two, one is sufficient. B, that you don't need all the stringent criteria for eligibility. And that's Eidechanam Bisurin. That is the, the most common case where we do not require two Eidim. So, our share tonight, we're going to be focusing on the, the classic cases of formal testimony outside Isurim, where two Eidim are required, which are. Dine Mamanus, civil cases, Dine Nefashos, or even Malkus, criminal cases, Dover Shebeerva, Gitten and Kedushin, and other areas of marriage and divorce and related, and related uh, issues, which all require two Eidim. One aid is never enough, with the single exception of Shvua, that one aid is enough for Basin to administer an oath, assuming certain other conditions are met as well. But in general, for all these cases where formal testimony is required, we require two witnesses. We'll discuss in more detail as we go exactly how Chazal understood these psukim, but in general the rule is that two witnesses are required. 
Now, the Mishnah in Sanhedrin is the, the beginning of one of these discussions that we interpret these psukim a little differently than the Pshuto Shal Mikra. The Mishnah says that if one of the Edom says, Yeshli Lalame Dalav if one of the witnesses says, in a criminal case, in a capital case, he says, I have an argument to present to the court in, on behalf of the defendant. So, unlike in modern courts where witnesses are only supposed to answer to things they have direct knowledge of, factual questions, or expert witnesses can answer to questions of technical expertise if they have expertise regarding that issue. Unlike in, uh, in, in modern law, witnesses are able to present arguments to the court. They can tell the court, kind of like an amicus uh, statement, they can tell the court, here's an argument, I think you should consider this uh, on behalf of the defendant. Witnesses, so witnesses potentially would be allowed to do that. And outside a capital case, in a civil case, a witness could speak up and say, I have, I, I have an argument, uh, may it please the court, I have an argument that may interest the court. However, in a capital case, the Mishnah says that if, the, if one of the agents says, I have something to say, schus, or certainly chova, we don't listen to the witnesses, Meshavkino, so we tell the witness, objection, you're out of order, you are not entitled, you, you are not eligible to make arguments to the court. Why not? So the Gemara discusses this further. The Gemara brings the Pasuk back in Pashas Masse, the Eid Echad Layana Benefesh. Pasuk in Pashas Masse had said that you kill a Rotech based on Edim, the Eid Echad Layana Benefesh Lamus, but an Eid Echad shall not Yana, he shall not, Tokipshuto means he shall not testify. The Gemara understands differently. The Gemara understands Eid Echad Layana Benefesh means that he's not entitled to make arguments to the court, that he has no standing, the court will, will not allow him to make arguments, legal arguments, halachic arguments, to the court, whether on behalf of the defendant or on behalf of the prosecution. And and it means edim in general, the Pasuk means something entirely different. It doesn't mean that a single witness can testify. It means that witnesses in general are not eligible to make arguments to the court in a criminal case. The Gemara brings the Pasuk in Pashas Masseh, the Rambam says that, that this is the same Pasuk that we have in the beginning of Pasha Shoftim as well. Lo yumas al pi achad does not mean, as we translated earlier, don't execute somebody based on the testimony of one witness. Rather, in the rabbinic tradition, it means lo yumas behoraz ha'ed, that the, that the, that the witness, a witness is not allowed to make arguments to the court in a, in a capital case. Now, the Gemara brings Machlokas about this. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda says, Onel is chus, vein onel He is allowed to make arguments on behalf, of the de- on behalf of the defendant, just not against the defendant. But the Chavim say, and the Raman Paskins, nope, not, not in either direction, not on behalf of the defendant, nor on behalf of the prosecution. He can't testify, he can't give opinions in either direction. What's this Machlokas? The Gemara says, well, if you read the Pasuk, Eidechen layana benefesh lamus. It means, that sounds like to kill a person. So to kill a person sounds like you're making an argument, making an argument uh, on behalf of the prosecution against the defendant. But Rabbi Yosef Yehuda says, but an argument l'schus of the defendant, that's fine. But the Rabbanan say, and we paskin, nope, you can't testify either l'schus, neither l'schus, nor l'chova, not testify, you can't give, uh, you can't make a legal argument, neither l'schus, nor l'chova. Why? Mishim demexi kinogea do so. If you try to testify on behalf of the defendant, again, the witness just testified five minutes ago that the defendant committed the crime, and now he tries to make legal arguments to the court, uh, exculpatory arguments, why he should not be convicted. 
So Rashi explains he's Nagabadavar. He's getting nervous that if the if they're going to convict based on his testimony, then he's going to be responsible. And if it turns out that Adam Zoman come along and and uh, prove that he was lying, he'll be in very hot water. So he's having cold feet about being the one responsible for this person's death. That's called Nagabadavar. Mexican Mexican Nagabe do so. He has a, he has perhaps an interest in undoing his testimony. So we consider him to uh, we consider him to be not impartial anymore, not disinterested, and therefore we deny him the right to speak in Basin. And that's how we paskin, that's how the Rambam paskins. The Rambam actually counts this as one of the Tariyak mitzvahs, mitzvah number Reish Sadi Aleph, mitzvah Lo Sase, number 291, that an aide is not allowed to speak regarding a din that he testified on, he's not allowed to make any legal arguments, any halachic arguments to the Basin, even if he's a Chacham or Yodea, even if he is an expert, he is a legal expert, he's not allowed to speak regarding the case he testified on. Uh, he simply has to just the facts, he simply has to testify to what he saw and make no editorial comment, make no legal arguments, and the Dayanim will have to decide the law on their own. Why? So, first of all, the Raman says this is only in Dine Nefashas, this is limited to capital cases. As we've been mentioning, some of the halachas in this parasha are understood by Chazal to be broad halachas that apply to judicial procedures in general. Some of them are limited to capital cases. This one, the Rambam says, is limited to capital cases. That's what the Pasuk and Parshas Masse means. The Eid Echad Loyana Benefesh Lomos means Eidim are limited in capital cases to testify to the facts and cannot make suggestions to the based in. And that's the same as that's the same meaning that the, the pasuk in our pasha has lo yumas al achad. Again, and it's it's not, it's not even a, it's not even a specific not even one witness. It means witnesses in capital cases are limited to comment on the matter at hand, the fact of the matter, their personal observation, their 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 direct observation. They're not allowed to make legal arguments to the basin. Brings the gemara in hedron bainless chos bain lachova mexican and that is, uh, that, 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 that's what the Raman Paskins, Paskins is din, which again is not maybe Pshudr Mikra, but this is how Chazal understood the Pasuk, the Pasuk in Masay and the Pasuk in Shoftim, that there is a prohibition against witnesses offering legal arguments to the Basin. The other Pasuk in our Pasha, the Pasuk from later in Pasha Shoftim, Lo Yakum Eid Echad Be'ish L'chalavonu L'chalchatas, Rambam brings that as one of the Tarek Mitzvahs as well, just a couple of Mitzvahs earlier, Mitzvah Losa say Reish Peches two eighty eight. That is that is kipshuto. That means that you're not allowed to impose punishment or even to pask in a civil case. Lahoti mamon echad. You're not allowed to rely on the testimony of one witness to decide neither a criminal nor a civil case, even if he's the most impeccably credentialed witness. But tachlis akashrus. That's what that's what the Torah says. Lo yakum eidachad beish lachalavon lachalchatas. One witness is not acceptable. He brings Chazal's drasha. He can become l'shvua. He can he can allow Basin to impose a shvua, but he can't allow them to actually decide the case based on his testimony. Rambam says this halacha is is discussed in many places in Yevamos and Ksuvas and Sota and Gittin and Kedushin and various places in Seder and Ezekin. This is a, an axiom. This is a <coughs> fundamental rule of judicial procedure, both criminal and civil that we do not rely on the testimony of Eid Echad. Again, Isurim is different. Isurim is not really a judicial proceeding at all. But in judicial proceedings, formal judicial proceedings that require a basin, that require formal testimony, the rule is Eid Echad is not acceptable. 
regarding a shvua, that's the exception that proves the rule. In general, the testimony of an Echad is completely not allowed, and two edim, two or more edim, are always required to decide civil and, and criminal cases. This, as we've been saying, is not limited to capital cases. The other din, the din of witnesses not offering their legal opinions to the court, that, the Rambam says, is limited to capital cases. This fundamental halacha, that one witness is not sufficient for judicial procedure, that is something that applies in Dine Mamanas and Dine Nefashas. That is something that applies broadly in, judicial, in halachic judicial procedure in general. There is one other area, which is perhaps more familiar to us, where the requirement for 2A dim applies. And that, of course, is Gitin and Kedushin. Kedushin being the most commonly encountered example for most people. We all know at a wedding, when the, cer- the Kedushin ceremony is performed, the Kedushin and the Chuppah and the Ichud, for that matter, the Minog is that we designate two witnesses. We call them up, they stand under the Chuppah. Yichud, generally two witnesses witness the Yichud as well. So that's not actually judicial procedure. These witnesses, in most cases, will never appear in a basin and testify to what they saw. So this is somewhat different. This is a requirement of the Kedushin per se. And this is discussed by the Gemara and discussed heavily by the Rishonim and Akronim who try to articulate what exactly this requirement is. The Gemara in Kedushin says, If someone performs the Kedushin ceremony with only one witness present, it's not Kedushin, you can disregard it, the woman can marry someone else without a get, it's nothing, the Kedushin is completely invalid. The Gemara says, well, what about Shnei modim? What if they both can see that the Kedushin was done? They can't, nobody can prove it because there were no witnesses, or there was one witness who was not Neman, as we said before, one witness is not Neman, but what about Shnei modim? What if they both agree that there was Kedushin? So in Velo, Verafia Biyade, the question was asked, from Rabbi Yehuda, what's the halacha? And he wasn't sure. He vacillated, he wasn't quite sure. The Gemara then has a lengthy discussion about this. Rav Nachman Marshmuel said, The Gemara goes back and forth for a while, a complex sugya. My havi Allah, the end of the Gemara. Rav Kahana says, Rav Papa Amar Choshin Likedushav. Rav Ashi told Rav Kahana, so, so, so it's Machlokas in the Gemara. And it's Machlokas, we showed him how we paskin. and Shulchan Aruch, we paskin, Choshishin Likedushin. Obviously, at a proper wedding, there's always going to be two witnesses. But in a case where someone did an irregular Kedushin, a fly-by-night Kedushin, and there's only one witness, we paskin, Choshishin Likedushin, we are machmer to require a get. The Gemara then analyzes what the arguments are. Why, why, would, it be, why would it be Kedushin? Would it not be Kedushin? Rabashi Astrof Gahana, my daitach, why do you think ain't Choshin Likedushin? Because Dover Dover me moment that we had the Psukim in our parsha that says that when it comes to Mamanus, it says you need two Edim. The Pasuk says that Al Pishne Edim, Al Pishlosha Edim, Yakum Dover. Dover, a matter, an affair, shall be established by two witnesses or three witnesses. As we've seen, that's the source that. When it comes to Dine Mamanas, when it comes to civil and, and, and criminal cases, you need two witnesses. So the Gemara brings a very famous Xerishava that there's a Xerishava, Dover Dover Mi Maman. We learn Ervas Dover in the context of Ishus, of questions involving men and women and marriage. The Torah calls it Dover. So the Xerishava, one of the hermeneutical principles Chazal used to interpret the Torah, that Dover Dover, so we see that, that Erva, that 
questions of uh, family, of, of, of man and what man and woman and marriage and so on, require Adam also. So Ravashi says, Ravashi, he told Rav Kahana, apparently you are making this Gzera Shava. Ravashi told Rav Kahana, apparently you want to say that if there's only one aid, it's not a good Kedushin because you need Dover Dover, you need two witnesses. Is that what you hold? So then, but by Mominus, we know the Halacha is, if a person makes what the law might call an admission against interest, a person makes Hodas Baldin, learned that one from my wife, admission against interest. When a person makes a statement against his own interest, we say Hodas Baldin, Kmei Dummy, that a person's statement is based on I owe money, you're only one person, you're not a kosher aid, you're an interested party, but that has absolute credibility. So why don't you say the same thing for Kedushin as well? If the parties themselves say we're married, so they should have credibility as well. So the Gemara says, So he said that the difference is that, that when it comes to Dine Mominus, they are not making statements to the detriment of others. Here, they're going to become usher to relatives of each other. Other people are involved as well. And therefore, here, when it comes to, when it comes to Kedushin, we don't say, So yes, so Rav Kahana basically said that that's why that's why he, he needs to aid him for Kedushin, because we do say, Dover, Dover, Mimamun, and we don't say, Hodas Baldin works, because of this distinction. Akalpanim, that is pretty much accepted, Allah Chalamaisa, Edim are required for Kedushin and Gitin, because of the Gzereshava of Dover, Dover, Mimamun, so just as we've said, criminal cases, capital cases, civil cases, all need Shnayim Edim, Alpi Shnei Edim, Oshlosha Edim, Yakum Davar, so too, Dover Shebe'erva, questions of marriage and divorce, Require to aid him, require to aid him as well. The Gemara goes on and makes the again pretty well known point. The Gemara talks about there were two Amaraim who had who were doing who were engaged in a civil transaction. Marzutra and Ravada Saba were uh, were dividing some property they held jointly. They wanted to know if witnesses were required. And is it like Kedushin? Kedushin, you have to have witnesses. You can't just say, you know, we all trust each other. You have to have witnesses. Do we say the same thing for financial transactions as well? So we told them, no, you don't. No problem. You don't, if you trust each other, you don't need witnesses. Though every Sadiel the Shakri, witnesses are only for people who lie. If you're not worried about lying, then anybody lying, if you trust each other, there is no need for witnesses. And this is basically the Halacha Lamaisa. Civil transactions, witnesses are not strictly required. They're recommended because people, if you don't think somebody will lie, maybe he will. Or even more likely, people forget exactly what happened. So in general, put it in writing. It's even better in, in certain ways. But you should always have witnesses. You should always have writing practically so you should, to know what, what actually happened. But in principle, technically speaking, civil transactions need not be witnessed in general. You can do whatever you want without witnesses. Make a proper Kenyan, and that's fine. Witnesses are not required. Gitin and Kedushin, however, witnesses, we often, the, the Achronim call this Edim, Edus Lekiyume, you need witnesses for the transaction to be valid. A Kedushin without any witnesses is certainly not valid. A Kedushin with one witness is a whole shadow of the Gemara, where Machmer Lechatchila, that you need to get, although certainly, obviously, Lahalacha, a wedding should have two witnesses, but a wedding certainly needs witnesses. Edim and Kedushin are a sin qua non of a, of a wedding. Without witnesses, they are not married. They, they can't just say, before God, you know, we're married, we gave a ring, it doesn't work like that. If there were no witnesses, the marriage does not take effect, period, full stop. Witnesses are required, and two witnesses are required, as Rav Kana said, because we have a Gzereshava, Dover, Dover, Mimamun. It all starts from our parasha, the parasha says, Al Pishnei Edim, 
That refers to criminal and civil cases, and based on this Ksera Shava, we extend it to marriage and divorce as well. Now, the Ksera Sachoshin, one of the great, uh, one of the great uh, innovative halachic Talmudic thinkers in the Achronim, he raises a, a very trenchant point, a very, uh, a very acute point, which many have tried to explain, but, but he, he articulates it uh, particularly well. He says, so where does this difference come from? The whole source of witnesses for Gittin and Kedushin is derived from civil cases. Yet, we just said, when it comes to civil cases, witnesses are not technically required. Transactions technically are valid. If I buy something, I sell something, I, I do whatever I want, that's all valid without witnesses. You might be advised to have witnesses to prove it, but technically speaking, the transaction is fully valid even if it is not witnessed. Witnesses are not required, only as proof. Yet, when it comes to Gittin and Kedushin, the halacha is clear, witnesses are required. Maybe one witness for some reason is enough also, question why that would be, but, the, but basically witnesses are required. You have to have witnesses to, to be married. So what's the difference? If, if the whole source, if the whole source of, of Edim for Gittin and Kedushin is derived from Dine Mominus, and Dine Mominus, the witnesses are only of probative value, but the transaction takes effect regardless, why don't we say the same thing for Gittin and Kedushin? So the Ksos has an elaborate explanation for why this is, but, uh, but so we're not going to get into the details of his argument, but the bottom line is the halacha is universally accepted, even though the Gemara clearly says that the whole source of witnesses for Gittin and for Kedushin, for Gittin and Kedushin is from Dine Mamanus, is Dover Dover Mimamun. Nevertheless, there is a fundamental cleavage in the nature of the requirement of these witnesses. When it comes to Dine Mamanus, it is simply a rule of judicial procedure, when the court has to act in a contested case where the parties are not agreeing as to the facts, and the court has to act, and the court has to have witnesses, then the requirement is for two witnesses because of this Xereshava of Dover Dover Mimamun. Uh, but otherwise, if they're, if, if they're not arguing, if the facts are conceded, the fact that there were no witnesses does not matter at all. Yet, when it comes to Gittin and Kedushin, witnesses are required. It's not simply in case anybody challenges the marriage down the line. It is, uh, it is an absolute requirement, an existential requirement. Without witnesses, the marriage simply does not take effect. Thixos explains that ultimately it's rooted in proof. The Torah made a rule that the, a marriage is not valid unless it's done in a way that it theoretically could be proved by having witnesses who would be valid if they came to court. That, that's the nature of the requirement, but the bottom line is it is actually a requirement. A marriage is invalid if there are, if there are not two witnesses. We require witnesses, we require... Two witnesses, Eidechad is a whole shayla, as we discussed, but, the, but the, the witnesses are a requirement for the marriage to be valid. Indeed, when they have cases of women who left a marriage without a get, and we look for a heter to see if there's any justification to avoid making her second marriage considered adulterous and all the kids' mamzerim from the second marriage, one of the approaches that people take, the post can take, is to try to see, were there really witnesses to the first marriage? Maybe there were no witnesses, maybe the witnesses were not valid witnesses, you need fully valid witnesses with all, the, with all the technical criteria of witnesses. One of the common approaches posts can take is they try to see if there's some basis to challenge the validity of the witnesses. Because again, even though we know the marriage took place, and no one's denying the marriage took place, if there weren't two witnesses, or even if there were, if they weren't halakhically valid witnesses, then the entire marriage is void, and the, the, the marriage's very existence, not just, uh, not just proof of it, the marriage's very existence hinges on hinges on the presence of two valid witnesses, and that's why, of course, when you miss out of Kedushin, it's important to make sure 
that you have that you have two witnesses and that you don't rely on uh, and that you don't rely on the and they have two witnesses and make sure you have two people who see the two people who see the who see the kedushin and that takes us to the the next aspect of this discussion. Typically, in a modern wedding, in a modern Orthodox wedding, the not modern Orthodox in a Orthodox wedding in the modern era, two witnesses are called up. They are designated by the Masada Kedushin. They are they're, they're 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 named and they're called to approach and they witness the Kedushin. Now, perhaps surprisingly, this is not a requirement that appears anywhere in the Talmud. It's not a requirement that appears in the in many of the, most of the Rishonim or the Shulchan Aruch. We just said, of course, you have to have witnesses. But as far as the Shulchan Aruch is concerned, as far as the Talmud is concerned, they get up there on that little dais under the chuppah. They do the kedushin. You have three hundred people in the chuppah room watching it. That's kedushin. That's fine. There, there's no need to have formally designated witnesses. And this was not always the minhag. It has been the minhag for several hundred years. We, we find some references to this in the Rishonim as well. But nowhere is this articulated in the, in the Talmud, in the Rambam, in the Shulchan Aruch, as a, as a standard procedure that particular witnesses should be designated. Of course, if nobody sees it, then you have a real problem. But assuming, assuming that the crowd can see it, that would generally be good. So the question is, where does this minhag of actually designating specific witnesses, where does that come from? So again, we turn to the Ktsos the, the Ktsos HaKoshin is not the first one to discuss this, but he's one of the prominent ones who, who gets into, who discusses this question. He mentions that this, he strongly encourages that this minhag should be followed. And the way he explains it is based on a sugya in Makos. And the sugya in Makos, again, goes back to psukim, the psukim in this week's parsha. The mission in Makos says, it brings the pasuk in the beginning of our parsha, al pishnayim edim, o shlosha edim, yumas talking about the capital case, executing someone for idol worship. So it says, The Mishnah asks a very fundamental linguistic question, stylistic question, two edim or three edim? Three includes two. Two is a proper subset of three. If you have three witnesses, then you certainly have two witnesses. So what is the relevance of three edim? If you can kill based on two edim, anytime you have three, you obviously have two. So why would the Torah add the phrase, O Shlosha? What is the point of that phrase? So the Mishnah brings a variety of different explanations. One of them has to do with the technical laws of Adam Zoman. One of the, two of them have to do with the laws of Adam Zoman. One of them has to, that, uh, we derive a, uh, we derive a, a Rabbi Kiva has a third, uh, third variation of Adam Zoman. He says that, that the, if the, the rule of Adam Zoman is that if, the, that if, the, if witnesses in a capital case turned out were caught by Mazimim, were caught, they, they were proven to have lied, assuming certain conditions are met, then we impose the punishment upon them that they were trying to impose on the defendant. If they were trying to execute the defendant, they get executed. And Rekiva says that the reason the Torah says three witnesses is because we kill all three of them. We don't, he can't just say, well, uh, I was really a third wheel because we would have killed the defendant even without me because the first two who went first, they were sufficient. Halach is, no, once he was part of that cabal, once he was part of that conspiracy to execute the defendant, he gets killed as well. And we learn an important uh, moral principle here. The Torah punishes those who are nitfala ovre avera, those who are secondary to ovre avera. So certainly the Torah will give schar to those who have some connection to ose mitzvah. Even if their role is ancillary, the, we still give them schar. But the, the halacha we're interested in primarily tonight is the last halacha, the last interpretation 
of the Mishnah, Rabbi Kiva's second interpretation, or Mishnah's last interpretation, the, the reason the Torah spells out three is as follows. When you have two witnesses, and one of them turns out to be technically disqualified, he's related, he has some other ineligibility, obviously the Edus is now Batela, because you need, you need a minimum of two, and one of them is now disqualified, so all you have left is one. One is not sufficient. Lo so, Afshlosha, the Gemara Darshans, when you have three and one of them is ineligible, we throw out the whole group of witnesses as well, even though we have two remaining at the end. It doesn't matter. There's a rule, this is a famous rule called Nimza Echemhem Karavupasel. Even if you have a large number of witnesses, the Mishnah says Afilumeya, a hundred witnesses, and one of them becomes disqualified, the entire group of witnesses is disqualified, is. Uh, is, uh, is, we strike it from the record, and the, the testimony is ignored. That's what we, that's what we darshan from two and three. That's why the Torah said three, just like when you have two witnesses, both of them are essential. If one of them is possible, there's no more testimony. So two, three, even though all three were not essential, but if any one of them turns out to have been ineligible, then the entire testimony is disqualified, and then it's not valid. So... The Rishonim have a question. Tosus, the Rush, the Rishonim have a problem. They say, Gitin, there were often crowds and relatives around. Kedushin, the Rush says. Kedushin, there are relatives around at a wedding. It's very common to invite relatives to a wedding. It's practically universal, at least in our circles. Wed- relatives are invited to weddings. So, says Tosus, says Tosus and the Rush, how is the Gitin and Kedushin valid? It's true you have lots of witnesses who are kosher, friends and uh, other guests who are not related but you also have relatives. So according to the Mishnah, if you have a bunch of Edim and some of them are Psulim, the entire witness, the entire group of witnesses is invalid. So get to the Kedushin as well. The wit- as we said before, the, a wedding needs a wedding needs Edim. A, a get needs Edim. It's not just for proof, it's to make it valid in the first place. If you have relatives, that should disqualify the entire kit and caboodle. All 400 people at the wedding should all be invalid as long as there's a single relative involved. There's usually more than one relative involved. Parents and siblings and children sometimes. It should all be invalid. So, how does that work? So, the Rishonim give different terutzim. One of the terutzim they give is that, when do we say that... A, so, first of all, the Rishonim discuss whether this psul only kicks in if they actually testify together in Bastin, if they all gave formal testimony, and not if they just saw the, the act, uh, if they saw the incident together. Furthermore, we shall make a distinction whether they all, even if, even if we'll say that see, simply seeing it together could render them all invalid, it depends whether they intended to give testimony or not. If they all intended to give testimony and one of them turned out to be a puzzle, a karov, a relative, then the whole thing is puzzle. But if they did not all intend to give testimony, only some of them did, then the other ones who did not intend to give testimony, even, and they turned out to be karov, a puzzle, that doesn't matter, because they, they're not combined with the ones who intended to give testimony since they did not intend to give testimony. Very complicated. So yeah, this is just the, the general outline of the discussion. So this is what Tosu says from the Re, that a Dusan Batela is only, first he brings only if they're made Bifne Bastin, not if they simply saw, but then, uh, but, but, but then Rishon gives this other distinction that it depends on whether they had intention to testify or not. The Ktos is working with this latter approach, brings the shach, that, uh, that we're machmer, that even if they intend to give testimony together, that can be, that can be a psal. Furthermore, the Ktos brings the shach, that the psal kicks in, this psal, that a single, a, that a single puzzle, a single karov, can invalidate the entire group of witnesses, 
This is true either if they all intended to testify, including the apostle, or if none of them intended to testify, as long as they're equal. If they, if they both did intend to testify, if they both did not intend to testify, as long as the Edom were all on an equal footing, then a single apostle will poison the whole group and will render the whole group apostle. So the only time the only time the apostle will not invalidate the whole group is when the kasher did intend to testify and the apostle did not. Says the Ksos, that is why, that is the basis of our minhag, one basis of our minhag, to designate Adim, because we're afraid, what's the alternative? You're going to say, you're going to do the Kedushin, 300 people are there, and, well, somebody there is kasher. A lot of relatives, half of them are relatives, the other half are not, so as long as some, as long as some people of the other half saw the, saw the Kedushin, that's a valid marriage. But wait, but if nobody was called on to be formally designated as an aide, maybe nobody had in mind to testify. Everyone's busy uh, feeling happy for the chas and kala and enjoying the wedding and, and so on. Nobody has in mind anything to do with testimony. So then the ksherim and the psulim both do not have in mind to testify. Then the kso says, the shach says, they're all in the same boat. They're all, in the same, they're all on the same level now. Then a single puzzle will invalidate the whole group and the whole wedding is not valid. So that's why the kso says, ro'i v'nachon, doesn't say you have to do it, but he says it's appropriate for a Masadra Kedushin to, de- to make sure to designate Edim Bashas Kedushin, that they should be Edim and they should be the ones who have Kavan al and the Psulim, we assume, will not have Kavan al and therefore that's how a wedding is kosher, because by designating, Ed- by designating Edim, they're the, they're the ones who intend to testify, and that separates them from the rest of the wedding, who, which include relatives and Psulim, and that's why a wedding is kosher, that's the most kosher way to do a wedding, by separating the, some people who are kshayrim and intend to testify from other people who are not kshayrim and don't intend to testify, that's the basis for, that's the basis for being miyachidate. The Ktos brings from the Ritva, one of the Rishonim, Yontov Ashbili. He already brings this basic idea. He says that, he says that the, the Ritva also says, the Ritva is also concerned about this question, that if there are Ksherim and Psulim, then the Psulim can passel the Ksherim, because of this din of Nimtza Echrim, Karupasa, Jusim, Betela, and that's why we're Miachet Edim. And the Ksherim says, good, I'm not the first one to come up with this uh, ingenious idea. The Ritva already says it, he says, and once again, the Ksherim concludes, Vadai Roy Lassus Bekedushin, Baofen Shlaye Shum Chashash Bekedushin. It's best, again, it doesn't say Yemrochayev to do this, but he says, recommended that you do this in order to have to avoid chas v'shalom, having any trouble with the Kedushin, designate Edim to separate them from the Psulim. The Ksos' second reason for recommending this is a more pragmatic reason, probably the reason that would have occurred to most of us. He says that, who says, anybody sees the Kedushin, he says. It's crowded, it's, uh, he says, people stand, people stand, most of the, the audience is not, not nearby, and things are busy, and it's hard to see, and they don't really hear it, he says. So it's anyway, the, he says, who sees the people under the chuppah? People under the chuppah, he says, certainly some of them are krovim. You have the chassan's parents and the kala's parents. They're certainly krovim. The Masada Kedushin is technically kosher, according to many posts, at least as an aide. But, he, but he, 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 might, he, might, he, he might be related also. He says sometimes, sometimes the, the chassan kala will invite one of their relatives to, to Masada Kedushin. So very often, he says, under the chuppah, there'll be nobody who's kosher as an aide. And people in the general audience are too far away to see properly. This is simply a more pragmatic reason why we call up Edim to make sure that we have two kosher Edim under the chuppah where they can see and hear clearly and, uh, and, and so on. And, and so on. So that, so that again, he says, is another reason 
why it is appropriate to have two Eidim. Uh, some people go even further. Some people have the custom that they actually, they don't just say, you are designated as Eidim, they actually go so far as to say, and nobody else should be Eidim. They, they explicitly try to exclude the rest of the whole. That already is, uh, is a more controversial, a more debatable phrase. But the standard Lushen is, in my, in my experience, is pretty much ubiquitous today, that the standard procedure is universal, is to, is to call up to Adim, designate two specific Adim, and we have several reasons for this. A, to make sure that somebody who's a kosher aid is there and sees the Kedushin, and B, to separate them from the Psulim, based on this rule of Alpishnayim Adim, Oshlosha Adim, you must amaze that even three people, if one of them is possible, the whole thing is invalid, and that's why we want to make sure that we separate off, we, we, set, we make a sharp distinction between the Adim who are going to be kosher, and others in the crowd who are psulim, in order, in order that this din of nimsa echemem, karav apostle, will not kick in. I just want to spend a few minutes, uh, close, spend a few minutes discussing one final question, which is, how do we implement this rule of shnei edim or shlosha edim in modern based? This is really a question not just with regard to the numbers of witnesses, two as opposed to one, but with all the eligibility requirements, which we haven't really discussed tonight, but the rules of being a karo, being related, or being, uh, being puzzle for other reasons. What is the policy of modern Bateidin with regard to all these technical requirements of Aden? Now again, this is an area in general where the halacha, the halacha of the Mishnah, of the Talmud, of the Rishonim and Achronim and the Shulchan Aruch, is very different, very, very different from modern criminal and civil procedure. In modern law, typically anyone who wants testifies, and we, you know, with limited exceptions, and then it's the job of the, the jury or the judge to decide how credible the testimony is. Halacha, halacha works with a system that is almost the opposite of that. Halacha says it is not at the discretion, there is no, there, there is no jury, but it's, it's judges. It is not at the discretion of the jury to decide, to make an assessment of the credibility of the witnesses. There are, instead, there are a number of technical criteria that witnesses have to meet to be eligible, but it's a binary thing. If they don't meet those criteria, their testimony is simply not allowed at all. If they do meet those criteria, the testimony is given the full weight of Shnayim Edim, of Shnei Edim. There is no discretion, there is no judgment, there is no assessment made by the court in general. There are certain limited exceptions, but in general, that is how the system works. That's how it appears in Talmud and Halacha. If you have witnesses, then the witnesses uh, carry the day, and that's it. And we have all kinds of rules for deciding when the witnesses are eligible, when they're not eligible. We're not going to get into all those details. They have to be male, as opposed to female. They have to be, they can't be related. They can't be interested parties. The law, the law will obviously allow males and females. The law will allow relatives. The law will allow interested parties as well. Now, now the, the other side's lawyers will try, to, will try to convince the judge and the jury that not to put too much, too much weight on the testimony because they have, they have, uh, they're not impartial. But halacha doesn't work like that. Halacha simply says... The Dayan considers whether there is, uh, they cross some threshold of, of interest, of partiality. If they do, the testimony is completely disqualified, and we don't listen to them at all. If they don't, the testimony has full weight. It's a binary question, and the decisions are simply made based on formal rules. There is no assessment. There is no, in general, no judgment calls being made on, being made on this. So the question is how we apply these rules in modern Bateh Din. Do we insist on two witnesses as opposed to one? Do we allow women to testify, and so on? So, this is something that is not so clear. In practice, in my experience, Bate Din do not spend a lot of time 
worrying about the validity of the witnesses, whether they meet the, the rule of two and all the formal criteria for witnesses. And the reason, and the reason the, there are several reasons why, but the main reason seems to be that the parties have the right to waive many aspects of the rules of procedure, including the qualifications for witnesses. The mission in Sanhedrin says that if a that people can say, litigants, disputants can say, I, I, I will allow your father to testify. Even though he's a relative and al he's not qualified, I, I have the right to say, to invoke my right to say he should be excluded from testifying, but I, I, I accept it. I, I, Basin should consider, Basin should consider and accept his testimony. You're allowed to do that. The Gemara has an elaborate discussion of whether he can retract such a such a waiver or not. The rules are complicated, but the Mascana of the Gemara is if there was a Kenyan made, if there was a formal Kenyan which solemnizes a transaction, then ain achar Kenyan, ain la achar Kenyan klum, the Kenyan is binding, the Kenyan is irrevocable. So many Bate Din today work like this. They, they, when, when, when you have the arbitration agreement, when you have the Shtari Beirin, where you give Basin the authority to decide your case, they ask for certain of the more restrictive rules of procedure to be waived, not nece- so whether they specifically ask for the rules of Aedas to be waived, not necessarily, but they, but they, do, they do, for example, give the, they do grant the Basin the right to make findings of fact based on their assessment of the case, rather even if the formal, formal criteria of testimony and evidence is, is, are not met. So that's why I think the, the common procedure is that Bate Din will act based on less than one aid, aid who are not technically kosher, because the litigants typically grant them that right, they grant them the right to relax those very strict formal rules of procedure. Not so clear, but th- th- that's what I think a common practice is. Fifty years ago, seventy years ago, Ritzach Isaac Kalevi Herzog, the great chief rabbi of Israel, one of his, life, one of his major projects was to try to make halacha a viable system for running a modern state. And he very much tried to harmonize, to the extent possible, the law with halacha. And part of what he did, some of the more controversial aspects, he was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, a tremendous Gon, but, but part of the, some of the, more, uh, some of the more controversial aspects of what he did, controversial in the sense that there were those who argued, those who disagreed with him, I don't mean controversial in the sense of problematic, but controversial in the sense that others didn't agree, other postcom didn't agree, was he was willing to make certain compromises on halacha to try to bend it, to bring it more in line with, you find certain loopholes to bring halacha more in line with the law. And this was one of his ideas. He wanted women to be, he apparently wanted women to be able to testify in Bastin. Women cannot testify in Bastin. So he said, one of his main approaches was, in theory at least, he never really implemented this in practice, but one of his main approaches was, his most sweeping and most, uh, most profoundly transformative approach was, that we just said there's a Mishnah that says litigants can waive some of the formal requirements of the halacha, some of the formal procedural rules of, of Bastin. See, Herzog suggested maybe they can do that not just individually on a case-by-case basis, maybe Klal Yisrael, maybe the, the nation, the community of Israel, can waive on a permanent and ongoing basis, can establish its own rules of civil procedure, and in those rules, women will be eligible to testify as well. Obviously, if you do that, you can also say that you don't need two witnesses, one witness would be enough, and so on. Presumably you could say that as well. And this is what Rav Herzog proposed. He never really put this into practice. Apparently there were cases where he sat on, on an Israeli based in where he did accept women, but that was on somewhat narrower grounds, more specific grounds. There were certain takanas, which we've discussed previously, to allow women. There were certain other reasons why 
women would be accepted. So this sweeping idea that Kla Yisrael as a whole could simply change the rules of procedure is a tremendous chiddush. It's a tremendous, uh, it's a tremendous step to take to, to sweep, as we've as we've discussed previously in, in our discussion of choice of law provisions. Postum have often frowned on sweeping changes to halacha to bring it in conformity with the law. The Rashba had uh, very strong words to say about those who want to replace the Torah with secular judicial norms. So saying that even though the Torah has one set of rules, we're going to replace them by different rules that are more amenable to modern society is something that obviously is a, uh, a very serious step, which, uh, which, you know, which, which is potentially problematic. Herzog, again, proposed various things in, in his uh, academic work, but, uh, but again, I'm not, from, I'm not so familiar with the details of the arguments in this time, but some of them, I believe, did not meet with the, the general approval of the rabbinic community, and he himself uh, respected that and, didn't, and didn't, didn't demand that they be adopted. He, he, he deferred, my understanding is in general, he deferred to the more conservative attitudes of his peers and didn't, didn't, and didn't go so far as to actually put into practice a sweeping disregard of the laws of procedure of the Torah. But the bottom line is, the Torah is very strict about witnesses. You cannot decide civil cases based on a single witness. You require two witnesses. When it comes to Gitzin and Kedushin, the law is even more strict. Not just can't you decide in a judicial proceeding, you can't resolve the matter. The, the Gitzin and Kedushin are not even valid in the first place if you don't have two witnesses. Halach Lamaisa, but Din often often don't uh, insist on two witnesses because we do have the litigants grant the Basin on a case-by-case basis more latitude, more flexibility to rule, even if the formal criteria of witnesses are not met. But obviously, when it comes to Gitzin and Kedushin, we don't have that latitude. The Torah sets up the rules for Gitzin and Kedushin, and the Torah says that two witnesses are required, Dover Darvim Imamun. That's why every, every wedding, every Orthodox wedding, has two, at least two kosher witnesses who witness the Gitzin and Kedushin. And that's also one of the main reasons given for the common minute today, even though it wasn't... Uh, standard 500 years ago, but that's at least the, wasn't universal 500 years ago apparently, but at least today it is pretty much universal in my experience that the Rav designates two witnesses to make sure that we have two kosher witnesses who are not tainted by other non-kosher witnesses in the audience, such as relatives, in order that they don't taint the whole, the, the whole uh, group of witnesses. We separate them by designating two, so they should be the witnesses and they intend to, they intend to be witnesses and the rest of the people are excluded either by simply not designating them or the way some Rabbanim do it by actually explicitly stating and the rest of you are not witnesses.